Dies ist der Mauticast. Alles über Open Source Marketing Automation mit Mautic. Und das hier ist dein Gastgeber, Eki Gümbel. Ja, Sommer in Deutschland und äh, dem ganzen deutschsprachigen Raum jetzt bestimmt. Sommersonne, Sonnenzeit. Ja, äh, manchmal regnet es auch, aber okay. Mhm. Ihr merkt, wir sind in Ferienstimmung, wir sind eine ganze Weile nicht bei euch gewesen. Jetzt sind wir wieder da. Hallo Thomas. Na, hallo Eckart. Du warst schon im Urlaub, ich fahre noch. Sehr gut. Äh, nichtsdestoweniger ist es eine Weile her, dass wir gesprochen haben und das rächt sich immer. <lacht> wir haben viele Themen. Wir haben einen Haufen Themen. Und wir haben eine Spezialepisode. Wir sprechen über die Mautic-Konferenz, die im letzten Monat stattgefunden hat. Wir haben am Ende der Episode einmal die, die Main Keynote mhm. äh, einfach drangehängt zum Nachhören. Und wir haben äh, aber auch einen Haufen anderer Themen, die wir nicht übergehen können. Also was wir gar nicht schaffen heute, versprochen, das kommt in den Newsletter, aber wir haben ähm, zumindest eine Liste an Sachen, die wir einmal kurz ansprechen oder vielleicht auch zwei, drei Worte mehr verlieren wollen und dann hoffentlich detailliert über die Mauticon sprechen können. Sehr gut. Ähm, den Anfang gemacht, mal wieder Mautic 4. Was ist mit Mautic 4, Eckert? Was ist Mautic 4, wäre die richtige Frage. <lacht> das weiß ich. <lacht> ja, ähm, ja äh, wir warten weiterhin. Es hätte da sein sollen, ist aber noch nicht da. Ich oder jeder kann mitlesen, wo es da klemmt. Es gibt also ein paar Bugs, die sich noch als hartnäckig herausgestellt haben. Mhm. Und ähm, die Route ist im Urlaub, muss man auch sagen. Und äh, Norman, der jetzt das Ding managt, ähm, tut das Möglichste, um die Entwickler zum äh, Durchschlagen aller Knoten zu bewegen. Mhm. Aber wie letztes Mal auch schon gesagt, lieber sorgfältig Knoten ja. durchschlagen als Seile kaputt machen, ne? Ja, ganz korrekt. Oh, das muss man ja merken. <lacht> ja, <lacht> ich, also, ich, ich mir dann auch. Ja, vielleicht, vielleicht wenn es rauskommt hier, dieser Mauticast, dann ist Mautic auch Mautic 4 schon da. Vielleicht aber auch nicht. Wir werden sehen. Wir werden das sehen, genau. <lacht> genau. Äh, ein bisschen Sammelsorium von Know-how-Themen. Äh, das erste, was wir in diesem schönen Internet gefunden haben, ist ein Video, ein YouTube-Video, Link wie immer in den Shownotes. Und zwar geht es darum, wie man Custom-Mounting-Plugins entwickeln kann. Genau, und zwar ist das von, von Avina Stalvi, also von einem Kernmitglied mhm. des Mautic-Teams. Und Avi hat sich mal Zeit genommen, nochmal aufzuarbeiten, aufzuarbeiten, wie Modulentwicklung denn richtig gut geht. Mhm. Und ähm, von dem Mohit, der auch ein Core-Team-Member ist, ähm, der Mohit Aguera von Accelerant, gibt es ein ähnlich gelagertes Ding, und zwar mit einem Schwerpunkt zum Thema Authentisierung gegen äh, Mautic, also das tolle Thema OAuth für alle, die Eingeweihten, äh, was, was sehr oft für Ärger äh, gesorgt hat oder sorgt. Da gibt es einen sehr ausführlichen Blogpost namens Managing Third-Party Authentications mhm. für Mautic Plugins und ähm, all das sei jedem ins, Her ins, Herz, ins Herz gelegt, der sowas entwickeln muss und auch diesen Link, wie auch alle folgenden, findet ihr da ihr wisst schon, wer wo, ne? Genau, dann sage ich ja mal, keine Folge ohne Joey und auch in diesem Fall ist es wieder so, äh, der hat einen Artikel bei sich auf der Seite geschrieben, wie man Mautic für verschiedene Domains benutzen kann, äh, das bezieht sich auf das Tracking über mehrere Domains hinweg. Genau, also Multidomain ist ein großes Thema, Tracking mhm. ist nur ein Teil davon, aber es wird... Ähm 
Oh, man, man liest es immer häufiger und ganz gut, dass Joey mal ein Roundup dazu geschrieben hat und ich glaube, es gibt auch ein Video dazu. Ähm, noch ein Roundup gibt es zum, äh, zu Neuigkeiten zu Kubernetes, mhm. wieder von Accelerant, diesmal von Kieran Badi. Ähm, ja, Kubernetes für alle, die Infrastruktur betreiben, die vielleicht SAS-Anbieter sind von Mautic oder einfach nur sonst Mautic in ihre ähm, Hochleistungsinfrastruktur einbetten wollen. Da ist das bestimmt ein spannender Artikel. Genau, und dann haben wir im Forum noch einen interessanten Beitrag gefunden, nämlich wie man mit Mautic Google Recapture 3 einbinden kann. Ja, genau. Also für alle, die Spam-Probleme haben, ist ja Recapture manchmal ein Weg, den man geht, äh, sowohl in der Mautic als auch in anderen Welten. Und jeder kennt dieses schöne Spiel, markiere alle Zebrastreifen, Mülltonnen, Palmen, was auch immer. Eichhörnchen. Ne? Eichhörnchen habe ich zu Hause, brauche ich nicht. <lacht> <lacht> ähm, Genau, Recapture 3 ist halt das viel modernere System, wo der Benutzer eben nicht mehr so einen Quatsch machen muss und was trotzdem gut funktioniert. Also ja, wenn ihr, wenn ihr Formulare mit Recapture sichern wollt, dann nehmt bitte dies und lest dafür diesen Artikel. Ha. Sehr gut. Genau, gut. Ähm, ja, all das war der so ein bisschen Tutorial-Know-How-Bereich. Es gibt auch ein paar, Bereiche aus dem Bereich, äh, ein paar News aus dem Bereich Code. Zum Beispiel kann man ja in... E-Mail-Clients auch in Mautic-Tracking einbinden, so nach dem Motto, ich schicke eine E-Mail aus Outlook oder Gmail oder so mhm. und sage, liebes Mautic, track das mal, ob der Empfänger da auch was mitmacht. Ne? Mhm. Um, und das gibt es jetzt auch mit, für Thunderbird, für die Leute, die Thunderbird machen, auch die können jetzt Mautic da reinkleben. Ich vermute mal, im deutschsprachigen Bereich ist das aus Datenschutzgründen eher nicht so weit verbreitet, Aber ich kann mir auch vorstellen, dass es vielleicht mal einen Blick wert ist, darüber zu sprechen, ob das schlau ist, ob das nett ist, ob das legal ist und so weiter. Vielleicht machen wir da in einer weiteren Folge mal äh, einen tieferen Blick rein. Für heute die Neuigkeit, die Thunderbird kann auch. Interessantes Thema auf jeden Fall, genau. Mhm. Und äh, noch eine weitere Nachricht, äh, WooCommerce-Integration für Mautic, da gibt es jetzt eine neue Version, die Version 2.2.3, sicherlich ein sehr oft benutztes Plugin von Make Web Better. Genau, und ähm, in dieser Version haben sie einfach ein paar neue Features eingeführt, ähm, was ich Coupons für Gastbenutzer oder, oder Coupons löschen äh, oder was weiß ich, so, so Dinge, die bisher gefehlt haben. Wir haben einen Kollegen, der gerade seine Bachelorarbeit zu dem ganzen Thema E-Commerce-Integration mhm. schreibt mit Mautic und da sieht man halt, also jetzt nicht nur für WooCommerce, sondern generell, dass halt ohnehin noch viel Luft nach oben ist und auf dem Weg besser zu werden, ist immer gut. Jo. Jo. Ähm, Code News, Code News. Wir haben vielleicht noch ein Feature-Wunsch, den man erwähnen könnte, bevor wir dann zur Mauticon gehen. Mhm. Und zwar, äh, es gibt nach wie vor eine ganze Menge an, an Feature-Wünschen und wir sind gerade dabei, die auch ein bisschen zu kategorisieren, zu, zu taggen, um halt besser in die Tiger-Teams rein zu äh, kanalisieren. Mhm. Und ähm, einen, einen großen gab es zuletzt, oder besser gesagt, viele kleine, die Root zu einem großen zusammengeführt hat. Und er heißt jetzt Create a Folder System to Organize Emails, Segments, etc. by Campaign. Mhm. Das ist also der ursprüngliche Titel, der dann gemerged wurde mit anderen Wünschen, die in die gleiche Richtung gehen. Da geht es im Prinzip halt darum, eine viel bessere Strukturierung und Kategorisierung im Mautic zu erlauben, weil man halt in großen Installationen das immer wieder hat, dass man sagt, okay, da sind ganz verschiedene Abteilungen, ganz verschiedene Länder oder wie auch immer, die das gleiche System benutzen und was halt überhaupt nicht in Sync 
geht. Und ähm, ja, großes, weitreichendes Thema. Wenn euch das auch interessiert, schaut da mal rein. Kommentiert vor allem sehr gerne, was eure Gedanken und Anforderungen dazu sind. Und wenn ihr es gut findet, dann nutzt auch den, den Voting-Mechanismus. Also nehmt eine eurer fünf wertvollen Stimmen und vergebt die diesem Thema oder einem anderen eurer Wahl. Super. So, dann würde ich sagen, kommen wir jetzt zur Mauticon. Ich selber konnte ja nicht teilnehmen, deswegen bin ich auch ein bisschen neugierig. Wie war es denn, Eckart? Was gibt es denn zu erzählen? Hm, wir fangen mal an mit dem Namen. Die Mauticon hat ja einen anderen Namen, die heißt ja nicht mehr Mauticon, sondern heißt jetzt Mautic oder Mordic Conference Global. Oh, das wird bei mir dauern, bis das drin ist. Ja, ne? ja nein, Mauticon ist schon, darf man schon noch sagen. Lustiger, also der Hintergrund ist der, dass Mauticon. Ähm, wohl im Spanischen keinen guten Klang hat. Okay. Ähm, also dicht an, an irgendwelchen hässlichen Wörtern liegt. Und deswegen hat die spanische Community gesagt, könnt ihr das nicht anders nennen? Mhm. Und wir sind auf den kreativen Namen Mauti Konferenz gekommen. Und noch dazu mit dem Zusatz Global, weil wir ja natürlich inzwischen Mauti Konferenzen nicht nur in dieser globalen Variante denken, sondern, da kommen wir nachher noch dazu, ja auch wieder in-Person-Konferenzen andenken, die dann eher kontinental sind. Genau, so, also das an Vorgeplänkte, jetzt um die Frage zu beantworten, ich fand es mega, ich mhm. war extrem begeistert, ich war super froh, als wir diese zwei Tage hinter uns auch hatten. Mhm. Ähm, wenn man es genau nimmt, es ging ja auf den Mittwoch los und endete in der Nacht von Donnerstag auf Freitag, deutlich nach Mitternacht. Ja. Also waren es drei Tage. Ja. Also äh, die, die Closing Keynote, äh, da saß ich tatsächlich auf dem Balkon im Dunkeln. Das war <lacht> sehr lustig. Ähm, genau, und ähm, es war eine Menge, Menge Futter wieder. Und es waren halt auch ganz toll viele Teilnehmer wieder da. Und es war deutlich engagiertere Teilnahme auch, also interaktivere Teilnahme mhm. als in 2020. Mhm. Vielleicht sind die Leute ein bisschen mehr so eingegroovt. Ähm, es gibt einen Blogpost inzwischen, der so die, die harten Fakten so ein bisschen illustriert. Ähm, können wir natürlich auch gerne verlinken. Mhm. Also es waren in diesen zwei Tagen waren es 58 Talks ähm, in sechs Sprachen. Diesmal etwas besser nach Sprachen auch organisiert. Es gab also einen Track, International Track, und da war dann Japanisch und dann kam, weiß ich gar nicht, Deutsch. Deutsch kam auch irgendwann, aber Brasilianisch und, und, oder Portugiesisch und was immer. Ne? Und ähm, wir hatten 300 Anmeldungen und deutlich über 75 Prozent Teilnahmequote, was also ist sensationell ist. Ja. Ähm, gut, es war kein For-Free-Event, wo man dann No-Show-Rates hat, die viel schlimmer sind. Mhm. Aber es war ja so, zahle 5 Dollar oder mehr, pay what you can, pay what you want. Mhm. Ähm, Viele haben 5 Dollar bezahlt, aber es ging auch bis hoch zu 200 Dollar, was Leute für ein Ticket bezahlt haben, also quasi als Spende, Spende. für die Mauti Community. Genau. Ja, super. Was richtig toll ist und was wir natürlich jeden ermutigen würden, in Zukunft auch ein bisschen was draufzulegen. Muss ja nicht 200 Dollar sein. Aber genauso funktioniert es. Und ähm, bei so einem virtuellen Event kann man sich natürlich auch vorstellen, sind die Kosten nicht so hoch wie beim Real-Life-Event. Wir hatten noch dazu gute Sponsoren. Und ähm, das heißt, da ist dann auch deutlich nochmal Geld übergeblieben für die Mautic-Entwicklung, weil das geht ja eins zu eins in, in die Mautic-Community und damit äh, in Richtung der Mautic-Produktentwicklung äh, etc. zugute. Und all das und weitere Details bis hin zu genaues Geld und so weiter gibt es alles in diesem Blogpost. Genau. 
Was sind denn so deine, ja, deine Favoriten in den, in den Talks gewesen? Gibt es da eine Auswahl? Kannst du überhaupt sagen, so das ist ein Highlight? Ich würde es mir nochmal angucken oder ist eine Empfehlung für all die da draußen, sich das nochmal anzugucken? Ja, total. Also zunächst mal 58 Sessions, die sind inzwischen alle auf YouTube for free zum Anschauen, kann sich jeder anschauen. Super. Ich habe es bis heute nicht geschafft, alle anzuschauen. Mhm. Ich habe noch nicht mal die Hälfte angeschaut. Mhm. Ähm, aber es war ist wahnsinnig viel Wertvolles dabei. Ne? Also es gibt einmal die Main Keynote, die wir jetzt hier im, im Podcast auch dran haben, mhm. äh, die so sehr behind the scenes, scenes ist, ne? wo Ruth also ausgiebig erzählt, was tut sich, was verändert sich in der Community, was verändert sich in der Produktentwicklung, was kommt so in Zukunft auf uns zu, aber was sich natürlich nicht darum geht, wie verwende ich Mautic denn heute. Ja. Ähm, zu dem Thema und zu ganz vielen anderen Themenbereichen gab es halt Talks, äh, nicht alle waren perfekt, aber es waren echt viele Tolle dabei, wo ich echt was mitgenommen habe. Ich würde vielleicht mal einen einzigen hervorheben, und zwar das Thema Lead Scoring Best Practices von Steve Robinson. Mhm. Ähm, das, da ist viel mehr drin, als der Titel äh, so andeutet. Also wer jetzt gar nicht weiß, wo er anfangen soll, Lead Scoring Best Practices fand ich richtig, richtig gut. Sehr vielleicht gut. noch ein etwas spezialisiertes Thema, aber vielleicht auch für viele interessant äh, im deutschen Bereich vom Matthias Reich. Das Thema automatisierte Webinare mit WordPress und Mordic. Das ist natürlich genau das, was Matthias auch intensiv selber macht. Und das erklärt er wirklich im Detail und richtig praxisorientiert. Also auch das auf alle Fälle im Blick wert im deutschen Bereich. Ähm, ja, ich habe Schwierigkeiten, noch, noch mehr auszuwählen, weil ich dann wieder andere weglassen müsste. Ja, also ja. blättert durch, schaut vor allem, was genau. euch selbst interessiert und ähm, da ist vielleicht für jeden was dabei. Ja, wenn, wenn du jetzt so vielleicht ein persönliches Fazit ziehst, so gefallen hat es dir anscheinend sehr gut, ja, habe ich zumindest erkannt. so verstanden. Ja. Genau. Gibt es denn Dinge, wo du denkst, ja, das könnte man beim nächsten Mal vielleicht ein bisschen anders machen, einen Schritt weiterbringen? Ja, also wir, wir haben natürlich viele Details, wo wir gesagt haben, ja, oh, das machen wir hier ein bisschen, da ein bisschen, aber das ist alles so Feintuning. Für mich ist so ein großes Thema, diese Flut an Talks ein bisschen zugänglicher zu machen. Wir haben es jetzt ja eigentlich nur, nur sortiert nach, hier sind englische Fachtalks, mhm. hier sind nicht englische Fachtalks und dann gab es noch einen fünften Track, das war der Community Track, wo halt eher so die dieses Behind-the-Scenes gemacht wurde, wo halt dann irgendwie Teams oder irgendwas vorgestellt wurden oder alles, was, was so Making-of angeht. Mhm. Ähm, was es nicht wirklich oder weiterhin nicht wirklich gab, war eine gute Strukturierung nach hier ist was für Einsteiger, hier ist was mhm. für Marketing fortgeschritten, hier ist was für Entwickler, hier ist was für dies, für das, für das. Ähm, das das gibt es zwar so als, als Tag, wo man draufdrücken kann, um dann zu sagen, hier, gib mir alle Tracks die mit oder alle Talks, die mit, mit Marketing zu tun haben. Ja. Ähm, aber das, finde ich, müssen wir noch deutlich zugänglicher machen, damit halt jemand, der mit einer bestimmten Erwartungshaltung auf dieses Event zugeht, auch wirklich das findet. Die Alternative ist natürlich zu sagen, wir gehen weg von diesem Event, das äh, die eierlegende Wollmilchsau ist. Und wir ja. machen einen spezialisierteren Fokus für das Event, im Moment geht die Diskussion so, dass wir das für die In-Person-Events durchaus so machen, mhm. damit auch wirklich ein maximaler Wert für die Teilnehmer da ist. Aber für diese Global-Events, dass es okay ist, dass das ein, ein Mischmasch aus allen möglichen Zielgruppen ist, ja. weil sich wirklich jeder schmerzfrei alles rauspicken kann oder zur Not auf YouTube hinterher noch gucken kann. Ja. Also von daher, das ist für meine Begriffe 
Das Hauptding. Ähm, muss es noch größer werden? Ja, auch nicht wirklich. Ich weiß nicht, ob da Mehrwert drin steckt. Ähm, ist auf drei Tage zu gehen. Also ich, find, ich fand es, by the way, gut, auf zwei Tage zu verteilen und auch so ein bisschen an einem Tag sehr früh anzufangen für den asiatischen ja. Markt und auf dem anderen Tag sehr spät aufzuhören für den amerikanischen Markt. Für Europa haben wir natürlich das Glück, dass wir in der Mitte liegen. Ähm, drei Tage weiß ich nicht. Also ich, ich glaube, so dieses Format, wie es jetzt ist, zwei Tage und die, diese Anzahl mit, mit fünf Tracks und was ich 60, 70 Talks oder so, das passt schon ganz gut, aber wir wollen nicht vorgreifen. Das Ganze wird es mir definitiv nächstes Jahr auch wieder geben. Vielleicht ist das auch ein bisschen Teil der Frage. Ähm, generell wollen wir das Format gerne beibehalten. Wir mhm. haben halt gesagt, das ist schon echt super, das, was wir in 2020 gesehen haben. Hey, wir haben ein Event wirklich für die ganze Welt und nicht nur für die, die ins Flugzeug sich setzen können und, und Visa haben und so. Das ist äh, schon ein, ein großer, großer Mehrwert und der wird bleiben. Genau. Ähm, wir können ja vielleicht im Anschluss gleich nochmal ein bisschen über dieses Gegenpart, dieses Real-Life-Event mhm. sprechen, bevor wir das tun. Vielleicht ein paar Ergänzungen noch zu den Themen, die in der Mauticon besprochen wurden. Ich würde anfangen mit dem Thema Fund OSS, was so ja, viel beworben wurde während der Mautic. Das ist halt so ein neues Konzept äh, OSS im Sinne von Open-Source-Software, das ähm, ja, Geldgeber Open Source fördern und zwar in dem Maße, wie Open Source auch von seiner Community gefördert wird. Mhm. Das heißt, die Community ist aufgerufen, in einem Zeitraum ein bisschen Funding, ein bisschen Spenden zu sammeln ja. und dann geben die Geldgeber, je nachdem, wie viele Leute da was gegeben haben, äh, legen sie noch ordentlich was ja. oben drauf. Ne? Das hat gar nicht mal damit zu tun, wie viel äh, wurde in Summe gesammelt. Es geht mehr darum, dass viele Leute was geben. Also 100 Leute geben 1 Euro, ist viel besser als, als zwei Leute geben 50 Euro. Ja. So, Im Ergebnis hat ähm, bei Mautic hat es 55 Spender gegeben, die 1411 Dollar in den Topf geworfen haben. Dazu gab es dann von den Geldgebern noch mehr als das Doppelte obendrauf. Das müsste man rechnen können, das ist ja fast das Dreifache, ich fährt verrückt. Ich ähm, sprich, wir waren insgesamt bei über 5000 Dollar, die allein aus dieser Quelle schon der Community zugute kamen. Und das war eine ganz, ganz tolle Geschichte. Ich finde die, die Erfindung halt auch richtig gut natürlich. Also ein Mechanismus Open Source ah, zu fördern, zu belohnen, wie auch immer, mhm. so zur Selbsthilfe anzutreiben, whatever. Mhm. Und ich hoffe natürlich, dass wir in einer nächsten Runde auch wieder dabei sein können. Gut, ein paar andere Themen. Das Thema Bug Bounty kam mehrfach vor. Das haben wir hier bisher, glaube ich, nur mal angerissen, aber noch nie so richtig verlinkt oder besprochen. Uh, für heute nur das Verlinken erstmal. In, den, in die Shownotes packe ich die Seite, wo die Mautic-Bounties stehen. Was ist das? Nochmal für alle, die es nicht wissen. Um, das ist eine Möglichkeit, ein, etwas Geld in den Topf zu tun für eine konkrete Verbesserung, Bug oder auch Feature uh, am Produkt und die Möglichkeit für andere zu sagen, ja, für das Geld mache ich jetzt dieses Feature. Mhm. Das heißt, also ich habe hier einen Bug, der behoben werden soll. Ich sage, okay, ich tue 30 Dollar in den Topf. Fünf andere Leute tun das auch. Ähm, schon sind 180 Dollar im Topf. Wenn das eine Kleinigkeit ist, findet sich das vielleicht tatsächlich jemand, der sagt, ja, kein Thema, mache ich. Oder vielleicht ist das so wichtig, dass die Leute auch 300 Dollar dafür geben oder dass 100 Leute was geben, weil es ein größeres ist. Ja. Also sprich, 
da kann man Geld geben, da kann man auch selbst Issues benennen und sagen, hier, da möchte ich Geld dafür aussetzen und man kann natürlich als Entwickler auch hingehen und sagen, ja, mache ich. Den nehme ich. Den nehme ich. Genau. Ähm, dann gibt es zum Thema Release-Prozess, was auch äh, die Ruth in ihrer Keynote erklärt und zeigt, äh, einen gesonderten Blogpost, den ich nochmal verlinke, mhm. vor gleich Show Notes. Ja. Es gibt die Mautic Survey, die ist auch äh, erwähnt und äh, hier auch nochmal der Link für alle, die teilnehmen können. Bitte tut uns den Gefallen und nehmt teil. Es ist ein bisschen umfangreicher, aber ist natürlich immer gut zu wissen für jemanden, der ein Produkt plant oder ein Produkt weiterentwickelt, wie wird es denn eigentlich verwendet und was, sind was ist Leuten eigentlich wichtig. Ja, gut, also, gute Chance auch Feedback zu geben ne, für Mautic-Benutzer. Ja, ja, selbst halt ja. auch zu sagen, was man sich wünscht, ja. ne, jenseits von hier im Blogpost das ja. verstecken. Ne, das ist ja jetzt wirklich eine statistische Geschichte. Mhm. Gut, und dann zu meinem großen Lieblingsthema natürlich den Tiger-Teams, die jetzt auch bei dieser aber der letzten Mautikon schon mal ähm, erwähnt wurden, bei dieser Mautik-Konferenz ähm, jetzt erstmal ins, ins Leben gerufen wurden. Das heißt, vier Tiger-Teams wurden von ihren Teamleads vorgestellt mhm. und ähm, erklärt, was, was ist das eigentlich, wie funktioniert das und vor allem auch, warum sind diese Tiger-Teams oder ist dieses, das jeweilige Tiger-Team gerade der Person so wichtig? Ja. Also, was haben wir denn? Wir haben. Äh, User Interface, also UX, UI. Mhm. Wir haben Kampagnen und Webbooks. Wir haben E-Mail natürlich und wir haben Focus Item Dynamic Web Content. Mhm. Das sind so die vier Dinge. Und Tiger Team, vielleicht nur kurze Erinnerung, bedeutet ja, das sind dauerhafte kleine Teams, die halt Expertise haben in ihrem kleinen, schmalen Bereich. E-Mail ist jetzt vielleicht kein kleiner Bereich, aber ist halt doch ein, ein relativ gut abgegrenzter. Das heißt, man hat Anlaufpunkt, wenn ich was zu E-Mail habe, wen frage ich überhaupt? Man hat Leute, die es als ihren Job verstehen und als ihre, ihre Motivation, richtig gut damit sich auszukennen, die all das, was reinkommt an Fragen, an, an Problemen, an Feature-Wünschen und so weiter, äh, überhaupt erstmal ähm, aufnimmt und äh, auch ein bisschen sortiert und ähm, verarbeitet, was, was auch vielleicht selbst weiterdenkt, was den Markt beobachtet, was ein Auge darauf hat, was, was Benutzer eigentlich wirklich damit machen oder welche Probleme Benutzer wirklich lösen wollen. Ja. Und ähm, am Ende halt dann dieses Feature in einem kontinuierlichen Prozess immer wieder ein bisschen besser machen. Bei jedem Release, also bei jedem, meinetwegen meiner Release, idealerweise jedes Mal drei Verbesserungen im Bereich E-Mail. Und ja. da, ba, 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 immer wieder ein bisschen besser werden und, und am Ende halt dann wirklich dieses Feature über die Zeit viel, viel besser machen, als wenn das nur Teil eines großen Produkts aus 100 Features, Features wäre. So, okay. Ähm, diese Tiger-Teams, wie gesagt, die, die wurden da vorgestellt. Es gibt äh, Slack-Channels Slack dazu und, und Confluence-Seiten und so weiter und so fort. Diese Tiger-Teams sind jetzt in einem sogenannten Incubator-Mode. Das mhm. heißt, äh, da wird jetzt gerade gesammelt, wer hat Lust mitzumachen. Das sieht man schon im Slack-Channel, melden sich jetzt halt Leute auch an. Mhm. Es wird auch organisiert, wie, wie arbeiten diese Tiger-Teams untereinander, innerhalb von, des Teams, aber auch wie, wie ver, verknüpfen sie sich. Da gab es also schon, schon so Sync-Calls zwischen den Tiger-Teams. Und ähm, 
die werden jetzt also demnächst live gehen. Also ich vermute mal, so nach den Sommerferien ja. werden sie live gehen und dann die Arbeit auch wirklich aufnehmen. Aber sowas wie vorhin gesagt, Tagging in, in den Feature-Wünschen im, im Forum oder halt auch verändertes Tagging im GitHub und so weiter, das gehört alles schon dazu, das sind alles die Vorarbeiten. Ja. Und ähm, dann geht hoffentlich die Post ab von diesen vier Feature-Bereichen und ähm, ich habe jetzt mehrere Leute schon gehabt, die gefragt haben, was ist denn damit? Ich würde gerne in jenem Tiger-Team machen. Es gibt, glaube ich, im Moment so 16 oder 18 Tiger-Teams, die definiert sind, aber wovon vier halt im Moment erstmal nur gelauncht sind. Ähm, wer Interesse hat, mitzumachen oder vielleicht selbst ein Tiger-Team ähm, zu führen, der kann mich einfach direkt kontaktieren, weil ich da im, im Mautic-Team ja so dieses Thema ohne dieses Thema ohne, mein Gott, zu viel Tees. Also gerne mich direkt kontaktieren und dann können wir gerne uns einfach mal unterhalten, was da am meisten Sinn macht. Super. Genau, so und jetzt wie versprochen vielleicht noch der kleine Ausblick jenseits der Mautic Conference Global, die jedes Jahr im zweiten Quartal stattfinden wird. Da ist das, was wir auch schon angedeutet haben hier im Podcast, hat sich verfestigt, dass wir im vierten Quartal jeden Jahres eine in person, also eine, wie sagt man auf Deutsch eigentlich, weiß ich gar nicht. Vor Ort. Physikalisch, ein Vorort, wie auch immer, genau. Eine Mautik-Konferenz zum, zum oh ja, ja, Präsenzveranstaltung ja. Ähm, machen wollen. Und aber nicht zurück wollen zu äh, Global ist jetzt, trifft sich alles in, ja. wo auch immer, in Hannover. Mhm. Obwohl es naheliegend wäre. Ja, wäre eine gute Wahl. Ja. Ähm, nein, stattdessen sagen wir, haben wir gesagt, wir machen das jedes Jahr in einem anderen Kontinent, typischerweise in einem anderen. Und in diesem Jahr fangen wir an mit Nordamerika. Mhm. Und äh, als kleines Save the Date, der 8. November ist der ausgeguckte Termin. Das ist ein Montag im November, wie der Name schon sagt. Am zweiten Tag, also am Dienstag, wird es dann noch Teamsprints geben und so weiter. Aber äh, es wird ein Tag Konferenz sein und wir haben die Festlegung auch, dass es eben nicht so ein Allround-Event sein wird, sondern dass es ein sehr benutzerzentriertes Event sein wird. Dass wir also sagen, wir äh, wollen im Prinzip sagen, so holst du das Beste aus Maudik raus. Hier kannst du richtig viel lernen noch ähm, jenseits der Grundlagen. Also wo die Knöpfe sind, ist schon klar. Aber wie mache ich jetzt wirklich erfolgreiches Marketing mit Maudik? Und das in, in ein, zwei Händen voll Talks, die wo jeder Einzelne wirklich wertvoll ist, an diesem Tag durchgehen. Das Ganze richtet sich natürlich an Benutzer, aber halt auch an Agenturen, die äh, auf dieser Ebene was lernen wollen. Für Entwickler ist da dann halt eher nichts dabei, muss man ehrlich sagen. Ja. Die können gerne noch zum zweiten Tag zum Teamsprint kommen, aber äh, die Idee ist hier wirklich zu sagen, das ist einfach ein, ein User-Event. Mhm. Und man muss halt auch sagen, in diesem Jahr ist alles so, so unter einigem Vorbehalt. Im Moment gibt es ein Travel Ban, wir würden nicht mal reinkommen nach, nach USA. Ja. Das Ganze ist in Boston, habe ich das überhaupt gesagt? Ja. Okay. Mhm. Um, und es kann natürlich auch sein, dass man, wir zwar reinkommen, aber aus anderen Gründen das Event wieder canceln müssen oder so. Das heißt, das Ganze wird so geplant, dass es äh, abbrechbar ist dass also die Tickets, Ticketpreise dann natürlich zurückerstattet werden. Das Ganze wird aus genau dem Grund im Moment auch im Aquia-Office durchgeführt. Da gibt es große Hörsäle mhm. und ähm, wir dürfen das netterweise benutzen, haben also kein Risiko, dass wir irgendwie Raum. zigtausend Dollar da an Raumkosten in den Wind schießen müssen. Ähm, wenn das alles so klappt, ist es gut und ähm, 
das Szenario wäre, dass wir im kommenden Jahr dann natürlich in Europa, natürlich, quote unquote, in Europa sind und da dann auch auf neutralem Grund. Hannover? Ja, da war er wieder. Ähm, genau, das Ganze in Europa machen können. Ja. Gut. Ja, ähm, der Name sagt schon Mauticon Nordamerika. Die Zielgruppe ist also User in Nordamerika. Es steht jedem frei, da auch hinzufahren. Ich habe jetzt auch schon von Leuten in Europa gehört, die da gerne hin möchten. Mhm. Auch Agenturen oder gerade Agenturen, für die macht es sicherlich Sinn, da auch Präsenz zu zeigen, egal wo in der Welt sie sind. Aber für die Anwender, die nur mal gucken wollen, ist Mautic was für mich? Oder die sagen, okay, ich habe Mautic ähm, und ich will mich nur mal ein bisschen inspirieren lassen oder vernetzen oder ein paar Fragen loswerden oder so. Da ist natürlich für den kanadischen oder, oder US-amerikanischen User Boston etwas naheliegender als in als für den deutschen oder italienischen. Nichtsdestoweniger, Boston ist immer eine Reise wert. Also ähm, nichts ist ausgeschlossen. Was, ne? ja, ja, Mensch, Boston. Ja. Ja. Gut, ähm, ja, das war jetzt dann doch länger als geplant. Ihr habt, wenn ihr das jetzt hört, jetzt noch ein bisschen Strecke vor euch, denn die, die Route hat extrem viel zu erzählen in der Keynote. Ich will da nicht weiter was vorwegnehmen, sondern ähm, für heute erstmal sagen, danke fürs Zuhören. Wie immer, gebt uns gerne Feedback. Ich bekomme öfter mal Feedback in, in einzelnen Gesprächen, die aus anderen Anlass irgendwie zustande kommen. Ja, und dann kommt immer dieses, ach und übrigens, dieser Podcast, wollte ich nochmal sagen, ist ja toll, dass ihr das macht. Mhm. Ja, vielen, vielen Dank. Ich freue mich über solches Feedback natürlich enorm und ich gebe das halt auch allen Leuten hier immer gerne weiter. Mhm. Ähm, und wir freuen uns natürlich auch, wenn sowas einfach mal so auf sozialen Medien oder sonstigen Kanälen äh, geteilt wird. Oder vor allem, wenn ihr einfach mal weiter sagt, hey, ich habe was entdeckt. Genau. Das heißt Mauticast, das wäre doch auch was für dich. Ja. Gut. That it? Ja, mehr hätte ich nicht. Bin gespannt, was Ruth erzählt. Ja, dann dürfen wir uns schon mal verabschieden. Genau. Thomas, war schön. Ja, Bis bald. War schön. Und äh, ihr da draußen, war auch schön. Ähm, wir hören uns und äh, bis dahin, passt auf euch auf. Tschüss. Bis dann. Tschüss. Yeah, so thank you everyone for joining this keynote. It's great to be back again. Um, as David mentioned, so my name is Ruth Cheesley. My pronouns are she, her. I live in Ipswich, so you can see some photos there of our lovely waterfront town in the east of England, and I work as project lead for Mautic. You can connect with me online pretty much anywhere with Arch Heasley. And after this presentation, I'll also share the slides and resources on my notice page, so you won't have to kind of take notes and stuff. They'll all be there. It doesn't seem like it, but it was only sort of six, seven months ago that we were putting on our first ever World Conference. So this was the first time we'd ever really brought the community together in big numbers. We were planning to have it in Boston. Unfortunately, the pandemic had other ideas. We had to quickly pivot to a digital event. And so Morticon 2020, our first event, happened online. It was so successful. We had such great feedback that we decided Why not do it again? And actually, I think this event has been even better, even if that was possible. The tech has been a bit better, a bit more improved. We've learned a lot from the first experience. We've had lots more people joining us who didn't attend last time. So it's been really great to see this event continue to grow. And what I'm pleased to say is that the team have decided that our World Conference, so this event, will always happen virtually. 
We feel like it is an opportunity to bring everyone together in our community without the worry of visas, of travel, of accommodation. And it allows a lot more uh, flexibility for our speakers as well. So even if the pandemic goes away, we'll still stay virtual. Definitely deserving of my favorite emoji, the dancing banana. We are making tentative plans, very tentative plans, for an in-person conference in November. But that does, of course, all revolve around what happens with the COVID rules. So do keep an ear out because we will be telling you if we're actually going to go ahead with this or not. I really hope that actually worldwide we are able to get this pandemic under control. We've lost so many friends, family members. Lots of people around the world have really suffered. But it's great to see that things are starting to edge towards getting this pandemic under control. And I can't wait to sit down in a bar with a glass of lemonade and just hang out with people. It's just not the same on Zoom, no matter how much we try. And I was thinking the other day, oh, I feel like we're not making enough progress. We're not doing enough. I quite often say to myself, I'm not doing enough. But actually, if we think back, it was only two years, just over two years ago that this announcement came pretty much out of the blue to everyone in the community that Acquia was acquiring Mortic Inc. and with it, the brand of Mortic and the community. I can remember reading this article and having real mixed feelings. And at the time in the community, there was lots of fear. There was lots of uncertainty. We didn't know whether the project was going to continue or not. And I'm really pleased to see how strongly we've come out of that fear, uncertainty and doubt. We really have made huge progress over the last two years. And Mortic is really starting to grow and thrive and attract people to the community, to the product and to the organizations who are building up an ecosystem around us. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's happened in the community over the last year. Some of you who are maybe new to Mortic or maybe you're a, a user of Mortic, but you don't really get involved in the community, may not actually know what happens under the hood in order for this project to make the releases and give you the updates. So in the last 12 months, we had 172 individual contributors across GitHub. So making features or bug fixes in pull requests, which we call PRs. In Slack, so responding to someone who then says thank you, which is an indication that you've been helpful to someone. In the forums where your responses have been marked as a, a solution. And also in Stack Overflow and Reddit. So those are the areas that we monitor the community at the moment. And all the names you can see in the Mortibot here are those 172 contributors. And the size of the name is based on the number of contributions that that individual has made. So you may see your name there. You may not see your name there. You may not be so happy with how small your name is there. So that's my challenge to you next year is let's see your name on there if it's not there now. Let's see it bigger if it's there as well. And last year, just for um, comparison, we had 113 contributions. So that's a 52% increase in the last year. That's pretty good going, really, to see that increase in contributors. But it's not only about individuals. We also want to have, as a more sustainable model for open source, organizations getting involved, contributing, encouraging their team to get involved and contribute. 
So in the last 12 months, we had 19 organizations contribute to Mortic across all the same channels that I mentioned before. Little Mortibot feels a bit empty to me. Doesn't he feel a bit empty to you? But still, these organizations are the ones who've been contributing to Mortic. And again, the larger names are the ones that are contributing more. Smaller names are the ones that are contributing less. So next year, I would love to see our little Mortibot bursting out the seams because there's so many more organizations who are making contributions to the project. But last year, we had 13. And now we have 19. So that's a 46% increase. So I'm actually really pleased. We're moving in the right direction. We're having more organizations seeing the value in contributing back to Mortic and making a difference to the project. And when we look at those contributions, you can see that in 2019, it was really pretty stagnant. It was a little bump here and there, but it was pretty low. And you can see the big epic bumps as we go up to Mortic 3. There was a huge amount of work involved in that release massive number of contributions from lots of people. And then we had a bit of a lull. I think this is the bit where everyone goes, oh my goodness, I'm exhausted. That was hard work. But it takes a breather. And then we start to ramp up again as we're coming towards Mortic 4. But the thing that I'm really pleased about is that we are still maintaining that high level of contribution, the highest that we've seen since the acquisition. So things are still growing. We are still seeing people coming into the project who are new. We're seeing people contributing more. And that is great from my perspective. But we definitely would not be in this position if it weren't for this bunch of awesome people. So these are the leadership team of the Mortic community. They each stepped up to help us in various areas of the community. You may well have heard about the different teams that they lead and what they do in Mortic. So I'm not going to go into great detail about that here. But I will draw your attention to the fact we have two positions vacant at the moment, assistant team lead for education and for marketing. So if you think you might like to help us with improving our documentation, our forums, making good quality resources available to Multic users, assistant team lead for education would be a great opportunity. Likewise, if you're a marketer or you're interested in helping us market Multic better to the outside world, as well as communicate within the community, the assistant team lead for the marketing team would be a great opportunity. So if you're interested in those, do reach out to the team leads. Feel free to ping me if you have any questions. But I do encourage you to just step up and say, yeah, I'll try. Just give it a go. Even if you think you haven't got all the skills you need, start somewhere and learn and we'll help you to learn. So let's have a little look at what's actually been happening in the community. We've seen a really substantial growth in meetup members and attendees, and this is all amidst the pandemic. It's been really great to see people really engaging with the meetups that we have got running at the moment. We've got official Maltic meetups located in all these places. I'm really excited, and so are the Spanish community, about the Valencia group, which has just started up. We also started integrating remote meetups. So we've got the Mortic Help Desk meetup, which is a great opportunity. It's led by David and Joey. And you can bring questions or problems that you have with Mortic. And it's facilitated by them. But the whole of the group help each other with those issues. There's also the German language Mortic Monday, which happens, I think, once a month, led by Eki Grembel. So we're kind of investigating how we move forwards in this pandemic world. But if you see that list and think, why is my place not on that list? 
If you want to start a meetup, we really would encourage that. These are the things you need to do to do that. You need to have enough people to be interested in actually coming to a meetup. So a thread in the forums is a great place to do that, to say, I want to start a meetup in this location. Who wants to join me? It can be remote at the moment. It doesn't have to be in person. We do encourage you to have more than one person. We need a location for it to be based in. Ideally, think about where you might meet so that when we can go back to meeting in person, you have an idea of where. But a regular date is the thing that really helps. The meetups that have been successful are the ones that meet, say, the first Tuesday of every month at six o'clock. And people know and it's in their calendar. And we can also help you with finding your first few speakers. So I'd really love to see us capitalize on this and really drive the local meetups in our community. There's nothing better than being able to hang out with other Mortic users, ask that really annoying question that you've been trying to solve for weeks. That's why I first started a user group, and that's how I got involved in open source, was I had problems and I had no one to ask. And someone helped me fix a problem within like 10 minutes that I'd spent like the whole day trying to fix. So I saw the value of having other people that I could connect with locally. And the Community Partners Program is also something we've launched this year. It's been a huge success so far. We have five founding partners that you can see here. If you want to find out more about them and read more about their case studies or maybe even work with them, have a look at mau.tc partners. That will take you to the partners page on the website or it's on the top menu. These are people who are contributing actively to Mortic. They're helping us to grow and thrive, and they're financially contributing as well. And I'm really pleased that at the end of this month, Drop Solid are going to be joining this awesome team of companies. So how do you become a partner? First off, you need to be financially supporting us. You can do that on GitHub Sponsors, or you can do that on opencollective.com slash Mortic if you prefer. You can find more information about this on the website, on the blog post where we announced the partners program. But it's not only about money. We only really want partners if they're contributing to make Mortic more successful. So you also have to be contributing in any of the ways that I talked about earlier, or running a team or leading an initiative or something like that. We need to show sustained financial and practical contributions over three months. And then we will consider in the council whether that organization can be selected as a partner. And you might be saying, well, how much do I have to sponsor to be eligible? We've tried to find a way to make this as equal as possible around the world. If we were to just say everyone had to sponsor at $100 in the US or Europe or other regions, that's much more achievable than in some places in the world. So that's not really a fair system. So what we've done is we've taken a metric. It's not perfect. There are some places where it falls down called the Big Mac Index. Google it if you want to know more. There's more information also on the um, page, the blog post where we announced this. But this graph shows you the sponsorship amount in dollars that you would have to be contributing on a monthly basis based on the country of your head office. So it basically takes the cost of a Big Mac and uses that as the relationship to the US dollars cost of a Big Mac. So you can work out the cost. So if you're somewhere like Switzerland, Sweden, Norway, you'd be paying slightly more than the $100 in the US. But if you're in somewhere like Ukraine or Russia, you'd be paying significantly less. And these are minimums. So you can decide to pay more 
if you want to. These are just the minimums that we require. And there is a discrepancy there with Lebanon because of the hyperinflation in that country. If there's anyone from Lebanon who wants to become a partner, come speak to me and we'll figure out what the appropriate rate is. If your country isn't on here as well, come and chat to us and we can figure out what that rate would be. But this is the best way that we could think of to make it a fair way for anyone, wherever you are in the world, to become a partner. So that's a couple of things that have happened over the last year. And I couldn't believe it that we missed this. We missed an opportunity for cake and candles, folks. How could we have done this? Because it was only a year ago that we launched Mortic 3, a year and two days. It was on the 15th of June. Can't believe I forgot that. But it was the biggest thing we've done since Mortic was created, the biggest release that had been made. It was a really big deal. There was so much work that went on to get this release over the line. We had 20 people who contributed. We had nearly 4,000 files that were changed as a result of this, in this uh, project. And at that time, well, slightly before, we also decided we were going to move to a monthly release cycle. So this means that we would be making a release every single month. We start with Mortic 3, and then we would have two bug fix releases. Then we would have 3.1, which includes features, and then two bug fixes, and then Mortic 3.2, which includes features. And you get the picture. So we introduced this because there'd been a bit of a stagnation in releases. We weren't really making progress with the big backlog we had. Those of you who like numbers, this is what it looked like. So 12, 13, 15 in 2015, 16, 17, and then it really tanked in 2018 and 19. We're now back on track. We're doing really well. But that's why we that's where we were at, basically. So far, we've actually managed to hit all of those releases. We've managed to get all of them and then some because we had a security issue that necessitated making another uh, release, and we had a couple of hot fixes as well. The only one that we didn't hit the timeline on is the Mortic 4 release. We were being a little bit ambitious in trying to get that done by the end of May. Unfortunately, we still have a few changes and a few bugs that we need to test and fix before we can make the release. And because most of the team who were involved in the Mortic 4 project are also involved in this event, it wasn't something we could do at the same time. So we're giving ourselves a couple of weeks to get through those last bugs. You can help us by testing the beta in a local environment or a development environment, which you can download from GitHub, or you can test the features branch, which is the latest code. We do have a lot of people who are still on Mortic 2. So this chart shows you all the versions. I should also say that this is only people who are calling home to see if there's an update to the Mortic update server. So it may not include SaaS providers who use their own update server. But you can see here, we've got a lot of instances that are still on the Mortic 2 series. But the Mortic 3 ones, we're generally tending to get people staying up to date. So that's really good progress. When we looked at this last year, there was a lot more down in the lower ends of the twos. So we are getting there, but we do have a lot of 2.16 releases that still need to be migrated to three. So what's coming up in Mortic 4? I expect that's something that you're quite interested in and in knowing what's actually coming in this next feature release. Major release, I should say, sorry. So these stats are accurate as at yesterday evening. You can see immediately there's significantly less files that have been changed, less commits. 
We've got more contributors, which is great. 16 contributors, extra contributors compared to last year's Mortic 3. But we're actually roughly the same timeline. Alan made the first pull request with what we think we need to do to change to support Symphony 4 back on the 15th of November. That's when we first started working on this project and we're looking at releasing at the end of July. So we're not far off about the same timeline that we looked at for the Mortic 3 release as well. So what I'm going to do is take you through some of the features. Some of them you may have seen or heard about, some of them you may not have done. And there'll be some videos, some of the ones that I've recorded, some of the ones that the initiative leads have recorded. So let's have a look, let's jump in. We've got the tag management user interface. So this is something that was supplied by Leuchtfeuer Digital Marketing. And also some tests were written by other organizations in the community. So thanks to those for providing this, but also helping us get this into a state where we could merge. And here's a short video. So that's a great improvement, I think you'll agree, from what we had before. It's definitely um, a good start. It's something that we can work on and iterate on. And what I would suggest we talk about now is the email builder. So I think the email builder is probably the one that most people um, will have heard about at some point. If you haven't tested it out yet, that's fine. I'm going to show you a little video of that as well. So the email builder is based on an open source framework called Grapes.js. So you'll often hear people refer to it as the Grapes.js builder, and that's what the icon looks like in the plugins. It was originally contributed by Web Mechanic, so thank you so much for all the work you did to actually get this started. And then Adrian Schimpf from Idea2 has taken that on and has been doing lots of refactoring and optimizing and improving and fixing of bugs. We've also had three themes from Joey at Friendly, and we've had two teams, uh, two other themes from Hartmut IO. So really appreciate all those organizations who've contributed um, to this initiative. So here's a little video for this one. Again, pretty cool. I mean, it doesn't 
bear any resemblance does it to what we have in the builder at the moment it's great to see a modern user interface i would also say that the skin that you see there is the dark skin we're actually going to have a mortic theme skin that will be white with the purple accents when we actually make the release this was just done in a development environment that didn't have that theme applied so the next thing is the mortic marketplace which i have to say quite slowly sometimes this is available in a beta release and it allows you to read only. So you can't actually install anything yet. The main reason for that is the underlying stuff that is needed to do that was required before we could actually build it. And that's in the Composer initiative, which we've only just finished. So this allows you to see all of the packages that are available, bundles that you could install or plugins that you could install for Mortic. And it allows you to go through and view information about the releases, about the maintainers and so forth. So I'm super excited to actually have this start to be uh, coming into production so we can use this in Mortic. I'll talk a little bit about that later when we get to the initiatives. And the next one is one for you DevOps folks or developers who are fans of using Composer to manage Mortic. The Composer initiative was a huge undertaking. There's been an epic amount of work that's been done, mostly by Nick from Drop Solid, but also really appreciate the help from Rahul Shinde from Accelerant, who has also been helping with reviewing PRs, giving feedback and suggestions, and helping with this project generally. So if you like Composer, pay attention, because you're going to be very excited by this next video.
Okay, pretty cool. So the next thing is also maybe going to be of interest to developers, but it also should be of interest to the users of Mortic. In the process of working on over the last year on our releases, we've also been working on improving our automated test coverage. And what this means is every piece of code in Mortic, we want to get to the point where as much as possible, there are tests that actually make sure that piece of code does what it's supposed to do. And if it stops doing what it's supposed to do or throws an error or something isn't as it's expected, it should tell our developers there's a problem with this test and it's failing so they can see what their changes has broken somewhere else in Mortic. One of the main reasons why we experience bugs is because when we started monitoring this, we were only at around 20%, 28%, I think it was, of the code that powers Mortic actually having tests. So that's a huge percentage where we could have changed something and we wouldn't know that something had broken. When we released Mortic 3, we mandated that all pull requests that we merge, so bug fixes or features, must have automated tests that either improve or maintain the level of coverage. So a couple of bumps here I just want to clarify because people are going to ask this question. So this is this went down here because we actually started by just looking at the app folder and then we added plugins. So we added a whole load more code. So the percentage went down. And we have a blip that goes up here because with the Composer project, we were going to remove a bunch of directories. Then we realized that was a really bad experience for developers, so we put them back in again. So that's why it kind of went up and went down again. But you can see here the 3.1 release, yeah, little bit of a change. 3.2, little bit of a change, not massive. When we start getting to 3.3 and then working towards 4, we can see substantial increases in test coverage. So I just want to say a really huge thank you to all of the developers who have politely replied with, of course, Ruth, when I've said, please, can you add tests or this these tests are failing? Can you correct them? Or we can't merge this until we need until we have test coverage up, because that is what's making Mortic more stable. That's what will bring us a more stable Mortic. If you're a developer and you like writing automated tests, I'm told people like that do exist. Please do think about helping us with that. Go on to GitHub, look at pull requests, and then filter the pull requests by those that are needing automated tests. You can use the label to find them. That would be a super, super valuable thing that you could do with your time, and it would help us get a lot of things merged that are currently blocked. So some important notes to just mention about the Mortic 4 release. Firstly, you must update to Mortic 3 before you can update to Mortic 4. So all of those instances who are two on, still on 2.16 or, or less, you will need to update to Mortic 3 before you can get the Mortic 4 update. So please think about doing that at your earliest convenience. Another important one is we're removing OAuth 1 in 4.0. So this is a particular type of technology that lets you connect to other tools using APIs generally. This has been deprecated since 2012, so I'm so glad we're actually getting rid of it finally. We have got OAuth 2 support, so you'll need to just switch over to OAuth 2 support. Most integrations should support that now. We've also got client credentials if you need to still use that. That was brought in with Mortic 4. It's an alternative that you could use for OAuth 1. You will also need to make a one-line change in any themes that are not the themes that ship with Core. The reason for this is that we now allow email, um, we now allow themes to specify in the configuration file what builders they support. And notice I say builders with an S. So you're able to say this, this theme can be used in the legacy builder 
and in the GreatJS builder and in my bespoke builder. We need you to change that line, one line in your configuration file um, for any themes that are not core themes. And that's documented on the docs page for the new builder. PHP 8 support we were hoping to bring in, but we haven't actually been able to do that. We've done a lot of work to actually increase all of our dependencies to get ready for this. But there are still some dependencies that we need to make changes before we can actually support PHP 8. We're looking at probably 4.1 in September, possibly. If you'd like to help us with this, please do drop us a line in the um, Mautic4 or in the product team Slack channel. And also, I want to just make it clear that Mautic 3.3.3, which is the current release of Mautic, will continue to get security updates for six months after Mautic 4 is released. But it will not get any more bug fixes unless they're security fixes or features. So you need to be updating to Mautic 4 if you want to get bug fixes and features. For developers, have a look on our GitHub repository. You'll find the upgrade for MD file in the root of our GitHub repository. That will tell you all of the backwards compatibility breaking changes that we're introducing with the 4.0 release that you need to take into account for your code, for your plugins, or whatever you're doing with Motic. And there's a short link there, mau.tc slash m4bc breaks with hyphens in the middle. So that's some notes about Motic 4. Let's just have an update on initiatives. So if you weren't in the keynote, uh, last November. An initiative is a time-boxed, often a complex project. It's usually going to take about six to 12 months in duration. Sometimes they may be more. They may span over more than one year. Usually it involves multiple stakeholders across the project. And whilst they are generally about the product, they could also be an initiative which is about the community so in November, I outlined six strategic initiatives where we were going to focus on these big projects that we felt we needed to do in the community. The first one was composer support. And that one has been completed, as I mentioned. That is the phase one of the composer project. There is more work that we want to do, that we need to do. So if you're interested in helping with that, do join the composer support initiative channel. Um, we do have a lot of expertise in there, but we're always interested to hear from people who have expertise in Composer. The email and landing page builder. Also, this is pretty much done. We, as I mentioned, we've still got a few things we need to work through before the 4.0 release. Again, I mentioned Web Mechanic and Idea2 are the two main contributors to this project. There is also going to be a phase two to this. It's never complete, is it? So there are also other things that we want to do that are not going to be done for the 4.0 release, but that we want to make sure that we do get to. Things like making sure that the JavaScript that powers the builder has got automated tests, and also maybe adding more configurable blocks within the builder. So if you'd like to get involved with that, do join the builders channel and find out more about how you can, how you can help with that initiative. The marketplace, as I mentioned, is in beta. We desperately need help on the marketplace project. John's done an amazing job in getting it to the point where it is now, but he's doing all that work in his spare time. So if you'd like to help, we could really do with some developers to help us with actually building out the infrastructure that we need to make this all work now that we've got the Composer initiative up and running. 
We also need input from user experience people to help tell us how we can do this in a way that is easy for marketers to use in the way that they expect to interact with this kind of um, tooling and technology and from users of Mortic. So head over to the Mortic Marketplace Initiative chat if you'd like to get involved with this one. The resource management one, we haven't had an awful lot of interest in this initiative. However, the implementing a Mortic-wide foldering system, we have got a new contributor who is interested in working on this. And this is an agency called Deeper. They've actually had a couple of calls with us and the product team, and they've supplied some wireframes for how they think this initiative might work, the implementing a foldering system. We're at the stage now where we need feedback from users of Mortic from developers, from user experience folk. So please do look in the resource management initiative channel, have a look at the video recording of the previous call so you can get a sense of how this would work and do give us your feedback. I'm hoping that we'll be able to get this into one of the feature releases in the four series. So maybe September or maybe the end of the year, depending on how quickly we can move with providing feedback to the people who want to build this. And this one we've not actually had anyone interested in working on, which is a bit of a shame because installing and upgrading is probably the number one challenge that people face with Mortic in the community, particularly in the forums. What we want to do here is add some pre-flight checks to the Mortic install process and upgrade process. We already do this in the Mortic 3 migration script, which stops you from proceeding if there's problems that are likely to cause your upgrade or install to fail. We don't have those checks currently in the process for installing and upgrading. So we'd like to actually introduce them. But we also need to do some improvements with the user interface, like in the install process, but also once you've installed, helping people understand how to get started with Mortic. And we need to improve the documentation. How do I install Mortic on Ubuntu? How do I install Mortic with Docker? How do I install Mortic with Kubernetes? How can I manage Mortic with Ansible? All those things would be great to have articles in our knowledge base. So that also falls into this initiative and we would really love to have some help. There's a bountied issue there if you wanna help us with implementing those checks into the install and upgrade process. It's all really clearly detailed in that GitHub issue. So if you wanna work on that, let us know. And we can give you some guidance and get you started. And then finally, next generation initiative. So this is one that you've probably heard a little bit about. Once we release Mortic 4, that's when we said we're going to start seriously thinking about how we're going to deliver the next generation of Mortic. We know that we need to make some significant changes in the architecture of Mortic. The way it was built was not built to scale to very high uh, levels of use. And we're seeing very high levels of use in organizations around the world. So we need to make some fundamental changes to how Mortic works. And that's what we're planning to do with the next gen initiative. So my vision for Mortic of the future is that it will be the ultimate fully featured and scalable marketing automation layer, which can stand alone or can be dropped into any existing marketing stack that you have. So that would enable organizations to seamlessly deliver an integrated experience, which delights the marketers who are using the software as much as it delights the customers who are receiving the um, output from the software. It's gonna take us a while to get there. There are some key issues we need to work on with this. Last November, I shared a rough timeline 
of what we were thinking in terms of future releases. I want to add a caveat here. This is not a mark this date in the diary. Ruth said that this release was coming on that date. It's not one of those. This is a rough idea of how we think things are going to go so that you can have a sense for when we think we'll be making progress. So this is where we're at the moment. We've done the Mortic 3 releases. We've built Mortic 4. And the reason why we've been doing that is because Symphony 3, that Mortic 3 is based on, comes to the end of its life at the end of 2021 in November. So we need to have Mortic 4 out by then because the version of the framework that we're based on is no longer supported. But that version that we're upgrading to is also going to come to the end of its life. So Symphony 4 will become end of life at the end of 2023. That may seem like a really long way away from you. But if you think about all of the work that went on in the three and the four releases, it's actually not an awful lot of time for us to make sure that we are now on Symphony 5 by that point. So whilst we're doing our Mortic 4 releases, we're going to have to work on a Mortic 5 release. We're just not going to be able to get a next generation initiative up and running and out of the door in time to meet the end of life of Symphony 4. It's just not feasible with the resources that we have currently. So what I envisage we end up doing is actually having Mortic 5 release and then maybe even 6 plus after that. For me, it's important that the people who are using Mortic have stability, that you know that there is a version of Mortic that's coming that's going to support you going forwards. But alongside that, we also need to do this big project to actually address the fundamental cracks in our houses in the foundations and not just keep papering over them. So that's going to start in earnest at the end of this year, beginning of next year. We're going to start doing proof of concepts. We're going to start looking at how can we do this and is it going to give us what we need going forwards? You can get involved with this. We're going to be working on project briefs, outlining specific tasks. It may well be that companies take on specific chunks of this, so they work on a particular part of the next-gen initiative. It may be individual contributors work on very specific tasks. We're exploring all kinds of way, ways to make this happen. And then what we're aiming for is towards the end of 2024, beginning of 2025, that we'll have a next-generation version of Mortic. It may not have feature parity with what we have in release at Mortic at that time. It may be that we decide to have an MVP, so a minimum viable product, with a specific set of bundles that are considered to be the absolute necessary ones, and that we then iterate on that and work on releasing other ones going forwards. But that's a very, very rough and a very non-committal timeline from me to you to give you a sense of what we're looking at. By that time, I want us to have grown the community as well in the same kind of way that we're growing the community now so that we will have more contributors, more organizations and more resources to do this work. So do hop into the Next Generation channel if you want to know more about this. You can watch back the calls that we've had about this and the decisions that we've made in the channel and on Confluence. All of that information is available to you and we'd love to have your involvement. So now the last part of this presentation is what we learned and what are we going to change in the coming years? So we've definitely learned something from having a monthly release process. 
It's worked really well. Having that released every month has meant we've had to keep on top of our features and bug fixes. It's meant that we've had to keep the momentum going. It means that we're getting code out to you consistently. Needing people to add tests has slowed us down. It's meant there's features that we have not been able to merge or bug fixes we've not been able to push. However, it is helping us build a more stable Mautic. I'm willing to take that trade-off if we get more stability as a result. We really do need more developers and more users of Mautic to help us test. It's a very, very small but awesome and amazingly dedicated team who are doing a lot of this work. It would help us immensely if people would consider giving a couple of hours a week where your team can contribute to Mautic. We would be able to go so much faster if we had those resources. So please have those conversations with your boss or if you are the boss, make that decision. It would really help us. We also need to plan who's managing these releases, both product and marketing for the minor releases. It means people know who to go to if you've got questions. Developers know who the release lead is for the release that their feature is going in so they can work with them to make sure that that pull request is ready to go. And also this one has been a bit of a difficult one. So a milestone is something that we use in GitHub to say these are the things that we're thinking we're going to include in this release. So we'll have one for each of the releases. And we've not been very disciplined. We just chuck loads of stuff in there. We don't really think about whether it's going to be ready for that release or not. And that's frustrating for a developer because initially they're told it's going to be in 3.1, then it gets bumped to 3.1.1, then it gets bumped again and bumped again. And it's very frustrating. It's also frustrating and demotivating for our release leads when they just have this epic pile to work through and they're never going to actually get to the end. So some of the changes that we're making, and you can have a read of the blog post, which should be up on mautic.org now. If you go to mau.tc slash release process, you'll find the blog post there. We're going to start having a quarterly release meeting, release planning meeting on the first Tuesday of every quarter, open to all. The product team are also going to choose themes for the bug fixes and for the feature releases. You can read more about that in the article. We're going to have 25 features or bug fixes per release that we choose to go in each release. They need to be ready to be tested and mergeable before we consider them for the release. We're also going to choose five issues that need to be fixed or addressed that we need to find a developer for. So as a marketer, this means that after that meeting, when we've made those milestones, you can actually look and see what should be coming in the next three releases. So you've got a sense of when something is likely to be there. And as a release team, it means we've got a, a target to aim for. We have those pull requests, which could be merged. We just need to find people to test. If there are other features or other bug fixes that are not in those 30, it doesn't mean we're not gonna consider them for merging. It just means that the core team are focused on those 30. And until those 30 emerged, they're not going to be focusing on any other pull requests. So they're not going to be trying to chase you up to get the tests written or anything like that because it's not in their, in their sites for that release. So these are the dates for the diary where we're going to have those release meetings. So developers, this is when you need to get your pull requests ready to be merged. 
And after these dates is when you will know what's going to be coming in the next three months in those releases when we publish. They're all going to be at 2 o'clock UTC. It's on the Mortic community calendar. If you're not on that yet, hop into the product team Slack channel and all the information will be there. We're also looking at funding contributions. So Bounty Source hasn't been used that widely, and we've now introduced it on all the repositories. So if there's a bug that you've got, you can now say, I'm going to put $20 on that. If someone can fix it, I'll pay them $20. If you have multiple people, the developer will get all the money that's associated with that bug if they fix it. And also, it's really great to see that several organizations are also funding their staff to work full-time or part-time or give some of their time towards the project. So these organizations are already doing that or are just about to start that. If you want to do this as well, awesome. Just let us know and we can put those resources to use. Doesn't have to be coders, could be marketers, could be documentation writers. And finally, we're also looking at investigating opportunities to sponsor individual contributors who we know do really great, valuable things for the community, but they haven't got the capacity to do that as much as we would like because they need to actually earn money. So we're looking at ways that we can fund those individuals through our open collective so it will be transparent. And then this one, this one's quite exciting. So I want to know, how are you using Mortic? Well, we want to know the community. What do we need to do better? What makes Mortic great? And all kinds of other questions. So today we're going to launch the first annual Mortic user survey. It's online on the mortic.org blog now. You can get the link and go to the survey. You can also use that link to go there as well. It takes about 10 minutes, so it's not massive contribution of time, but the information will really help us to understand more about the community than we can just get from the basic download rates and, and the information we get from the update server. Please do take a look at this. We will also be sending you an email to let you know, but probably once you've got over information overload from this event, we'll probably do that next week, I would think. And on that note, we are actually now using a Mortic instance. Thank you, Acquia, for giving us a campaign studio instance that we can use in the community. So we now have mailing lists. So if you haven't already joined and signed up, please go to mau.tc slash mailing lists, or you'll find it under the community tab on the website. Join the mailing list and we will keep you up to date by telling you information that you want to know about Mortic. So that's all I've got time for today. What questions are there that I can answer? Please pop the questions in the chat. I think David is going to come on and grill me. <laughs> Grill you? I don't know. Uh oh, I think you're suspecting something more than it's going to be. Actually, there's been a couple of questions that have been asked. So let me just get into it. Uh, Julio hey. asked, uh, "Is is it possible? You know, it's actually it's interesting because uh, Joey and I started that uh, the online only uh, a Mautic help desk. You know, which is not being done in person. And that wasn't set in the rules for how to run a meetup. So Julio mm. is asking in a similar fashion: Is it possible to open up meetups in different cities? Uh, from the ones uh, where the ones who are in charge are from different places. Not necessarily right now for him, but is mm -hmm. that uh, is that okay to open up different meetups in different cities if you're not positioned in that spot? I think the main thing is what's in the best interest of the community. So if there is a situation where you spend part of your time in this part of the country and part of your time in that part of the country, and you can make sure that you can consistently run meetups in those places 
every month, fine. Um, but from my perspective, what's most important is that there are regular meetings and there's someone who is regularly organizing them and present. And in the normal world, we will hopefully go back to in-person meetups. So I'm kind of, I'm not all that in favor of having someone running a group when they're not located in that area, because you also don't know the local local information. Um, but I could be convinced. And ultimately, it's not my decision. That would come to the community team. So the community team would have to review that and decide what they think. But my experience in Joomla, it's worked best if there's boots on the ground. Sure. That makes perfect sense there. I understand that. Uh, Wagner had a question, uh, though it may be too early, but uh, I think a lot of us here are curious. What are, uh, are the initial or tentative plans for next generation? Is it going to be built on a completely different architecture? That's a really good question. So I would say you can have a look at what we've been talking about and the um, the discussions we've been having already because they're historically there in Confluence. So you can read and watch the talks we've had. And Alan also did a talk last year where he talked about some of the thoughts we were having. Some of this is actually already being worked through by some architects at Acquia because they're facing the same problem that Mortic is facing because they're based on the same framework and you know the same software. Um, so the outcome of what they find about how to optimize will trickle down into what might be helpful for us. But predominantly, we're looking at having a front end that is a decoupled application, so probably in Angular. We'll be having some kind of layer in the middle of that that does magic with APIs that communicates with everything um, and potentially have the opportunity to have different data layers underneath. So you can use what ships with Mortic on MySQL. But if you want to, you could use a different database platform. You could have a CDP that manages your contact profiles and segmentation and then pushes everything up into Mortic and does the magic in Mautic to do the marketing automation. So there's lots of different options that we're considering. Um, but I would say, yeah, watch back the talk from last year, Alan's talk from last year, and have a look back at the notes in the Composer Initiative. All right, great, great. Uh, you know, actually, even going back to last year, uh, there were some great conversations about diversity. Um, yeah. Uh, how was it uh, over the last year? How has diversity improved within the community? I think actually one of the side effects of having the pandemic is that there's a lot more people able to get involved in a lot more things because they're online rather than in person. I love in-person events, but they can also be really difficult. Um, they can be difficult if you can't travel for whatever reason. They can be difficult if you have a disability. So I have a disability and traveling for me at certain times in my life has been really challenging. Um so I feel like that has opened things up a bit more. I think we're also, I speak for myself, but hopefully also all of us, much more aware and had our eyes opened over the last year, two years, as to implicit bias and racism particularly. So that's something that has definitely come much more into my awareness over the last 12, 18 months. And I'm much more thinking from the project perspective of, if we're making these decisions, how is that impacting the people who we're trying to engage with? And also trying to think about ways that maybe we are not open and inclusive, ways that we are not welcoming of people and trying to address that. 
So, yeah. Good. No, Does it's an ever going thing. It's yeah, it sure does. You know, it's an ever going, you know, ongoing thing. Um, you know, just yeah. paying attention to it, just awareness to a large extent makes a big, big difference. And I think yeah, that's... and I think if you've like if you've ever been excluded from anything in your life, um, if you have the opportunity to build a community where there is, or you're trying as hard as you can to not have exclusion, then you'll take it because that's like building your own safe space. And for me, that's why I'm so passionate about it is because I've felt that, you know, I've been on the receiving end, nowhere near as much as some people. Um, but that really drives me to make sure that we are as aware as possible um, and try and make as much, um, trying to be as inclusive as we can as a community and as welcoming as we can as a community. Great. Uh Today is uh, June seventeenth, twenty twenty one. We're right in the middle of June, yeah. and we're in, we're in the home stretch for Mautic Four. Here. <laughs> uh, do you have any kind of uh, um, specific time frames that you're really trying to track to? I know that uh, end of June, early July, is there a sense for where uh, you would ideally like to track to, and maybe the you know reality for what may 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 come past. It is, it's challenging. And this is one of the ever present challenges of open source is that we are reliant on people's time and time is precious. And a lot of the things that we've been working on, those initiatives I was talking about, are often coming down to one person. Yeah. So my kind of line in the sand is 28th of June, Monday, 28th of June. That's when I would really like to be able to make the Mautic 4 release. Um but I'm also really aware that that puts a lot of pressure on those people to get all this stuff done. So we do, we really, if we're going to hit that, we have got work we need to do in order to do that. Um, and hopefully now that this conference is over, that frees up my time, but it also frees up the time of a few other people. We'll be able to really focus our attention and get through those things that need to be done before we can make that release. We've also got a whole bunch of stuff to do with marketing as well. So we've got some amazing visuals that have been designed by a new contributor, which are top secret, but they're very cool. And I'm very excited that that contributor has decided to join. Um, but the whole you know, process of communicating out to the world about what's going to be in the release is managed by the marketing team. That has to happen simultaneously with the product and the education team. So, Yeah, I'm excited when every contributor decides to join. Uh, yeah, see these little little additions, even little contributions or big contributions. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, yeah. Last question as we wrap up here. I'm curious on what your hopes are for a commercial ecosystem surrounding Mautic. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like having a commercial ecosystem around Mautic is really important. In the community council panel earlier, we were talking about um, the Gartner and Forrester and things like that, and the Acquia is in there. And you might think, well, so what? I mean, we're an open source project and Acquia is a company, but the fact that a company based on Mautic is at the top of their game and being recognized for that gives a lot of credibility. So the more organizations that we have that are doing great things with Mautic, the more we actually get people looking into Mautic and using it themselves. But also because those organizations are building businesses around Mautic, it's in their best interest for the Mautic product and the community to grow and thrive. So they are also getting on board with being like, I want to contribute. How do I contribute? And for some of them, it's financial because they haven't got the time to be able to actually contribute. 
and they may just put like a 1% charge on every invoice and that 1% comes to the community. Or it may be that they just say, we'll contribute $100 a month. It's all welcome. But also you start to see organizations saying, this feature is really missing and my customers are bugging me for it. I'm just going to write it and then we'll contribute it back to the community. And that's where we start to see a real, a real innovation coming is when companies come to us a bit like Deeper that I was talking about saying, there's this problem, we need to solve it for our customers. This is how we're thinking of solving it. If we do it this way, would that work for the community? Those conversations are the conversations I love to have because they're thinking about the community, not assuming that what they want to do is what the community wants, but opening a dialogue about this is how we think we'll do it. Will that be good for the community? So those kind of conversations, I think, as we develop an ecosystem, but also integrations, you know, integrate all the things. That is an important part of our ecosystem as well. Having people develop plugins and being able to make a living from supporting Mautic and supporting plugins. Wonderful. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for that presentation and for answering all of our questions there. I, I, I want to say... On, on behalf of a number of people, a large number of people, uh, and our customers, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you do in a big, big way. And I say that sincerely.